churches, which is that usual uh, weekly process where uh, Wednesday night prayer meeting in Sibyl, uh, in, uh, in Baben, and then Thursday in uh, Rimnika Vulture, Friday up in Sibyl, 100 kilometers away from where we live, and then uh, we have our uh, youth meetings on the Saturday, and then uh, Sunday morning in Rimnika Vulture in the morning, uh, in the afternoon in Baben, and then in the evening in Rimnika Vulture. That's our usual weekly uh, uh, schedule. And then uh, when we were coming here, especially the last six months before we came to Australia, we were um, preparing to come here, which is also uh, uh, quite a tedious task to fulfill. And, um, and so we, we were doing that. And then we threw in a wedding with that, and which we were uh, blessed to be able to, to do um, only last week. It was last Saturday ago. And, um, and it went very well and we were very excited. It was a very good day. And then uh, we thought we'll throw in a renovation at the same time, you know. And so we were, I was just going out of my, out of my brain trying to make sure that everything is put into place and, and, and trying, to, trying to make sure that we do everything and dot all the I's and cross all the T's and, and, uh, and be able to come here. And then since we've been here, we've, been, we've traveled all over. Um, the east side of Australia from the top to the bottom and, um, and we'll be taking a, a flight to Perth next weekend uh, and so you know we've, we've been busy running around uh, telling people about what's, uh, uh, what's going on in Romania. Pretty much what uh, Paul and, uh, and Silas did they went and they said well let's go and tell you know what, what happened here and so uh, that's what we've been doing and, and uh, we've been we've been getting tired, but since we've been here in Coffs Harbour, we had a chance to, to rest a little bit, which has been nice. And just so I can shoot the elephant that's in the room, okay, there's, I have these uh, marks on my face, bandages, because uh, I had some skin cancers removed uh, while I've been here. And um, so just if you're wondering, you know, what, what they were, what's happening there, now you can think about what I'm about to tell you from the Word of God, amen? <laughs> think about why does he have that bandage on his nose or why does he look like a patchwork quilt but that's the way, the way it is uh, we're going to be um, talking uh, we're going to be looking at the uh, word of God from 2nd Corinthians chapter 5 2nd Corinthians chapter 5 and we're going to read from verse 10 to the end of the chapter and uh, you would have seen a, a building in Sibyl there where we were it looks like a bit of a shack that we're trying to build there. Well, we're waiting for council approval to build a proper building on, on the site. And uh, when um, uh, Pastor Mondo got his rates bill for that land, he was, found that he was paying rates for uh, the building the, or the house that's on the land that we're using at the moment. But he's also paying rates for a building that's not on the land. It's not there anymore. It used to be there, but someone knocked it down without getting government approval. So the, the council thinks the building is on the paper. The building's still there. So he said, well, if I'm paying the rates for a building, I'm going to build it. So we, so we took the, the, the roof off of the church in that we, the building that we bought in Baben, and we built that building with, the, with that wood. And, um, and so um, uh, that's why it looked a little bit daggy there at the first. That was just the structure of it. And, uh, but it's been finished, and they've been using the building since, uh, since we've come to Australia. So... Um, just wanted to update you on, on that. A lot of things can happen in a few months. And, um, and so uh, that's, uh, that's the story. Well, let's, uh, let's read from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. 
For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men that we, are, that we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. For we commend not ourselves again unto you, but give you occasion to glory on our behalf, that ye may have somewhat to answer them, which glory in appearance and not in heart. For whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God, or whether we be sober, it is for your cause. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead, and that we, he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore henceforth know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we do thank you, Lord, for your word. We ask, Lord, for you to speak to us through it, and, and Lord, that you would meet us at our point of need. And Lord, that you would strengthen us for your service and encourage us and, uh, and help us, Lord, to, uh, to serve you with all of our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we, uh, we have been given a, a ministry, the Ministry of Reconciliation. And uh, all Christians have been given this ministry. You are saved to tell the gospel. There's a song that's, uh, that's worded that way. And so we, uh, we have, have been given this opportunity to be able to be used by God to bring other people into the kingdom of God. Uh, that's why he didn't take us immediately after we were saved. He left us here to be a testimony and to be able to, to witness to those that are around us. And the Apostle Paul was an example of someone who went and began to, uh, to preach the gospel and bring people into the kingdom. He was reconciling men with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is the ministry which we've all been given. And so when we, uh, when we talk about missions, we, we don't just talk about putting some money in a in an envelope to give to someone else so that they can go and preach the gospel in another country. That is uh, missions and that's important. But missions also means me getting out of my comfort zone and stepping out and opening my mouth and speaking for the Lord Jesus Christ and telling someone how they can be saved. Amen? That's the ministry which we have been called to do, to fulfill. And the Apostle Paul is speaking to the uh, church in Corinth and he's, he's uh, giving them some motivation to go out and, and fulfill the ministry of reconciliation. And he begins uh, here in verse 10 saying, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. This should be uh, the first uh, point of motivation. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not a Christian, you will stand before God and give an account of your life. And as a Christian, you're going to be uh, called to give an account of what you did with your eternal life here on earth, what you did to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And, uh, and, 
And so we, uh, we must stand before him and give an account. And, and to me, you know, that's, that's, it should be a fearful thing. And the Bible says in verse 11 here, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. And why is it a terror? Well, you know, it's that same feeling that you get with any kind of authority that comes into your life. You know, you get pulled over by the police. Even though you haven't done anything wrong, you're still, what's going to happen? What's, what's he going to say? What's, you know, you don't know what could happen because they are an authority and they could say, this is what you've done, this is what you've done. You know, you don't, just don't know. And, uh, and so when we compare being pulled over by a police officer and, being, and standing before God, there is a greater fear, isn't there? Even if you've done everything right, there's still a moment of, of uh, insecurity. I'm standing before the judge of all men and he's going to now tell me whether I've done well or whether I've not done as I've been asked. And, and for some of us, it's going to be a well done now, good and faithful servant. And for others, it's going to be, I wish I had given him more. And that's a fearful thing when we stand before God. And therefore, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. We try to bring people into the kingdom of God. We, we are saying there's a judgment day coming and you need to get your life right with God. You need to reconcile yourself to God. And this is the ministry which we've been given. And so he says uh, that this is the first uh, motivation that should cause us to want to step out and tell someone about Christ because we know that we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account of our lives. And so for all of us, we must begin to think about what that day will be like. Have we done what he asked us to do? Or have we been slacking on God and not doing as uh, we've been told. And so the first motivation is the fear of the Lord. We're gonna, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so when we think about the day when we're going to stand before God and give an account of our lives, that should cause us to say, Lord, I want to do what you want. <laughs> I want to put my will aside and I want to do what your will is. Amen? That's what we should do. That's the fear of the Lord should cause us to want to change our lives and to serve him with all of our hearts. And then he, uh, he, he, he begins to, to tell the, the people of God about how they should look upon other people. And he, uh, he mentions it here in verse 12 at the end where he says, um, uh, we, we, uh, but we want to give you the occasion to glory on our behalf that ye may have somewhat to answer them which glory in appearance and not in heart. And uh, many times as Christians we can be deceived by our own eyes and uh, we can, and we can uh, uh, judge things incorrectly. And he says, look, when you look upon people, you're not supposed to look upon the outward appearance. You're supposed to look upon the heart. You're supposed to look through the outer exterior and find the soul that is within and connect with that soul and encourage that soul to live for Christ. Amen? That's, this is what we should do. When, because when we look upon the outward appearance, sometimes we're... We're hesitant and we're selective. And we say, oh, no, we're not selective in our evangelism. Yeah, yeah we are. You know, we give out tracts in the street maybe. And we give a tract to this guy and this one, this one. We see someone that's not quite 
doesn't quite fit in our little box of what we think is acceptable. Could be any reason, could be race, could be uh, uh, standing in society, could be anything. Could be the way they look. And we go, one, this, one, the guy. we see this guy and we go, oh, one, this guy, this guy, oh. No. I was too busy giving it to someone else. Missed him. You know? And we justify ourselves even though we were selective in our evangelism. As if some people are allowed to get saved and other people, yeah. Not quite sure about him. We'll just deviate from there and we won't give him our chat or tell him about Christ. And this is the, 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 the sinful nature of, of the Christian where he, he, he's, he's kind of proud and, he, and there's a certain level that he wants to maintain in his life and he's not going to go lower, you know, and he's not going to uh, talk to someone who's is not quite the same as them and, and this is not right. It's not right. You're supposed to look upon the heart of men. And maybe that person doesn't fit within your little box because he's had some pretty difficult things in his life and he needs, he's, he's crying out for some help and he's done things to his body that, uh, that are a, a cry out there and, and, and we, instead of going to that person and, and telling them how they can have their needs met and how they can be forgiven by God and how they can get their life right and, and, and serve him, we avoid them and give it to someone else who looks like they've got it all together. You know, Jesus came to save who? Sinners, not the righteous. You know, a person who thinks he's good, he's not going to repent. You know, but someone who knows that their life is a wreck, they're going to turn to the Lord. And so we have to be look, begin to look on the hearts of men. And uh, uh, C.S. Lewis quite, uh, uh, said it this way. He said, you, you don't have a soul. You are a soul. You have a body. Okay? Your soul is eternal. It will remain forever and ever. It will either remain in heaven forever or it will remain in hell forever. But it will remain. The soul is eternal. The body, temporary. You get another one of these. You know, this one's going to die. It's going to rot. It's going to get cancers. It's going to have difficulties, pains, uh, uh, stresses. It's going gonna, it's gonna to die. But the soul continues into eternity. And we get a new body. And so we should not look upon the outward appearance for that purpose. Because it's temporary. It's a temporary thing. But we should look upon the hearts of men and be seeking the hearts of men. When Jesus looked upon the multitudes, he had compassion upon them because he saw them as sheep without a shepherd. He didn't... Uh, but for the, for the disciples, people were a problem. Did you notice that? How are we going to feed all these people? How are we going to do this? How are we going to send them away? For people, for us, people are a problem, but they're not the problem. Okay? They are souls that need a saviour. And we should look at them as souls that need a saviour. Amen? We should look at them spiritually and try to meet that person and find that person that's within that body. Uh, and so uh, he, he, tries to, he says, look, don't glory in the appearance, glory in the heart. 
and he continues and he says, you know, we know, we therefore know no man after the flesh, verse 16. Even though we've known Christ after the flesh, in, in other words, they saw him in the flesh, in the body. Now we don't know him that way anymore. We know him on a spiritual level. We speak to him through prayer. And then he goes on and he says in verse 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. In other words, the heart has been changed. The inner man has been changed. And so we look upon the inner man, not upon the outward man. And so he wants us to focus in, on the spiritual things and upon the souls of men, not upon the outward appearance of those souls. And uh, when we begin to look upon the hearts of men, that changes everything. We're no longer selective in our evangelism because we see everyone the same. They're all souls and they need the Saviour. And so we must uh, go and tell all about Christ. He tells us another motivation. And he says, for the love of Christ constraineth us. You know, to love somebody means that I choose to do good to that person regardless of what they'll do to me, regardless of what, how they'll reward that love, regardless of how they'll react to that love, I'm going, I choose to do good to that person. It's the opposite of hate. When you hate someone, you choose to do evil to that person. You're saying, I'm not going to speak nice about that guy, I'm not going to do anything nice for that guy, I'm not going to help that guy. Everything that, every time I see that person, I'm going to think bad thoughts, Love says, when I see that person, I'm going to think good thoughts. Even if he hates me, even if he is against me, even if he's uh, persecuting me, I'm going to do well to that person. The love of Christ constrains me. I'm, I, I must do well. I must do that which is good. And the Bible says, don't defeat or don't return evil for evil. Okay? Return good. For evil because good will always overcome the evil good will always overcome and uh, we, and we know that because we've read the back of the book amen good wins and if you do the if you do well if you if you help people if you love people you will overcome the evil that is around you and we have uh, a lady in in Romania that uh, was very against our ministry in, in Rimnika Vulture and she would she's pretty much stopped us from being able to do anything that we've tried to do in the in the past and and uh, she's um, well like we we saw the build the church building in Rimnika Vulture it's a it's a hundred year old building it's a Lutheran church and there's a group of elderly ladies that uh, run that church that uh, that basically uh, look after the the grounds and 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 do all the uh, the business dealings because um, the church is probably about 10 people now all very elderly and um, these four ladies have got the they've got the job and uh, so whenever we said can we do this they'd say no can we do that no can we do this no and they're always against us and um so over a period of time, you know, with the, uh, this one lady in particular that's been uh, quite antagonistic, she, um, uh, she tried to have us thrown out of the place. We, even though we were renting, had a contract, she tried to kick us out and we went to the, the hierarchy of the Lutheran church trying to find you know, a way to resolve the problem and they kind of stepped in and helped us to stay there. And then um, 
And uh, but over the years, you know, her uh, her husband her husband died, and uh, she started getting sick. And because she was a bit of a a rough lady and not a very friendly kind of person, she had nobody. And so uh, when she got sick and needed to go to the hospital, we said, "Look, we'll take you to the hospital." We drove her 100 kilometres to take her to see the doctor and brought her back, and we did all these things, and we we helped this lady. And um, anyway, when they opened up that building, which I was talking to you about in Seville, the little shack there, when they finally got the inside finished, guess who was at the first meeting of that church? Yeah, this lady. You know, her name is uh, Mrs. Pretorian, and she needs to get saved. Amen. But she would never have come into our meetings, never. You know, if we hadn't done well and helped her in some way. And so God's working in her heart. And if he can bring her into one of our meetings, then there's hope. Amen? There's hope. And so we need to pray. We, need to, we have another man in, in the church in Rimnico Vulture who, who got saved because we did well. We helped him. And we would go and help him. And then he would speak evil of us. And we would go and help him. And then he would say something else that was bad about us. And, and he, would, he just kept on doing that for years and years and years. And we kept on going there. We'd help his family and we'd do these things. And he would say really nasty things. And then eventually one day he came to church. And we said, well, what are you doing here? He says, I can't do it anymore. <laughs> You've been so good to us. You know, and I've been so bad. You know, and he'd repented and got saved. And now... You know, he's a, a member of the church. And so, you know, the good always overcomes the evil. You know, if we will submit to what the God is telling us and do well, because it's so easy to want to fight back against people who are against us. You know? And so uh, we need to begin to look upon people as souls that need a saviour and love people and love them and do well to them and maybe God has a chance to be able to do a work in their life. And, uh, and so we, we have this ministry. And he says, we're motivated by the fear of the Lord, motivated by the love of Christ, uh, looking upon people spiritually. And he finally gets to the point where he's talking, he's talking to us about the ministry of reconciliation. And he says, and all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in, God's, in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. The ministry of reconciliation. This is the the keynote of the Christian life. Okay? Reconciliation. This is the, the, the thing which people should look upon us and say, this is, there's something different about this guy. There's something different about this person. You know what it is? He always makes it right. Amen? That should be the Christian life. That's the way people should look upon Christians and say, you know, they do make mistakes, but when they make mistakes, they get it right at the end. They come and they fix the problem. They come and they resolve the, the struggle. They forgive others that do evil to them. That should, people should look, the world should look upon the church and say, you know, they're not perfect, but at least they, they get it right in the end. Amen? That's, that should be the Christian life. That should be the way that, we're, that, that people speak about us. 
And when a person gets saved and they're reconciled to God, even though they've been fighting with family members and neighbours and things like that, their life begins to change and they begin to fix those relationships, don't they? They should. There should be something in your heart that says, I need to fix a relationship and I'm the only one that's going to be able to do it because I have Christ in me. I've been forgiven. I know what it means to be forgiven and I can forgive others. And so the reconciliation should be the, the, the hallmark trait of the Christian and where we should be able to reconcile with anybody. And the Bible says, be at peace with all men as much as you can be. Because sometimes people just don't want to have peace. But you should be trying. Amen? You should be trying as a Christian. And, uh, you know, it's hard to fulfill the ministry of reconciliation when you can't reconcile your own life and your own relationships. And what is the most important thing in life? It's the relationships that we have. You know, the guy that's lying on his deathbed, he's not worrying about the next house, the next car, the next gadget that he can buy. He says, bring me my son or bring me my brother or, you know, I need to talk to my, uh, my daughter or my wife. I need to tell them something before I die. Relationships are the most important thing that are in our lives. And uh, we should be aiming to reconcile those relationships and it's not right for the Christian to be able to continue in his life and not try to reconcile the relationships that are in his life. When we come to Christ, usually our life is in a shambles. We don't talk to that person, we don't talk to this person, we're fighting with that guy, we're fighting with this guy. You know, we can't, our marriage is all falling apart. Uh, the children have gone. You know, and so when a person gets reconciled to God, he begins to draw them back in again. Please forgive me for what I did. Please I'm willing to forgive you. I'm willing to make it right and brings all those relationships back together. And uh, this is the way that it should be. And so uh, when we are able to reconcile those relationships in our life and, and, and have put that into practice as much as we can, God says, you know what? There are people around you that need to be reconciled to me. You need to reconcile them to me. Bring them to me. And the message, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. That's the message of the gospel. We're telling people how to be reconciled to God, how to get it right, how to fix that relationship. And uh, if, um, I don't know if you've ever seen those, uh, we're going to look at, talk about modern technology now. You know, we have the memes and there are photos with a little caption about something. And there's a picture of uh, uh, a person who was supposed to draw a line down the middle of the road, you know. And they've painted the line and then all of a sudden it goes like that and then comes back and it's straight again. And you go, what happened there? What did they do? Was it a cat? Was it an <laughs> animal? They've, they've driven the machine wrong or something like that. And, we, and there's a caption on those kind of photos. You had one job. You had one job. Sometimes there's a picture of a, the toilet door. And it's got a shape cut out of it, the same shape as a toilet. Because they opened it inwards instead of having an outward door. You had one job, mate. One job, all you had to do is stick the door in there. Now look what we have to do. Or things are put in the wrong way or some of like that, you know. And we, and we laugh at those things, you know. Mate, you've got one job. You've got one job. You know what's going to happen? We're going to get to heaven. 
and we stand before Christ and God's going to, in, in, not to be irreverent, he's going to say, you had one job. Did you do it? Did you fulfill the ministry of reconciliation? Did you bring people, try to bring people into the kingdom, try to reconcile them to me? And uh, we, uh, we're going to have to give an account of whether we fulfilled the one job. This is it. This is the job which we've all been given by him. And uh, so uh, we need to uh, be serious about the job and fulfilling that job and doing what we can. You know, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But how can they hear without a preacher? Someone has to speak. Someone has to open their mouth. You know, and we have to be you know, realistic about it. Soul winning is not easy. And telling people about Christ is not easy. And we know it's not easy because that's why we don't do it. We don't do it because it's not easy. It's hard to tell your family about Christ. Even though you love them and you want to tell them and you want to get them saved, some of them are antagonistic about it. They don't want to get saved and, you, and it causes a problem. In the family, and you say, well, you know, I don't want to cause a problem, so I won't say anything. And the devil says, yes, that's what I wanted. I stopped you from fulfilling the job. You know, you need to tell them about Christ. And uh, neighbours, you know, who do we fight with the most in the world? Neighbours, you know. Someone put the fence in the wrong place or someone chucked his rubbish over the, over the fence or, you know, you, you know, your dog's noisy or something. There's always fighting with the neighbours. You know, he needs Christ as well. Amen? That means you have to reconcile the relationship. That means you have to try and have a good relationship with that person. And I remember one time uh, we had a, when I was in, moved to Sydney to go to Bible college and we got a little dog and, you know, I like dogs, but little ones are a little bit annoying. Anyway, this one was called, I call it a barking rat. Because it just barked at everything. It barked at leaves falling off trees. It barked at, you know, the wind. It was just, it, the only thing it never barked at was the guy who broke into the car. <laughs> and took all the stuff out of the car. You know what I mean? It did nothing. You know, no, it never, never barked, uh, you know, once. And uh, so, man, you had one job. <laughs> You're a parking rat. You had one job. You didn't do it. So, uh, you know, this same barking rat, which used to bark all the time, it was pretty annoying. Anyway, I got a, I got a letter from the, from the mayor's office in Blacktown, from the council, local council, and they were saying, uh, you uh, have a complaint about your dog making noise. You better fix the problem or you're going to get a fine, you know. And really, was I angry. I was so furious. I thought, how could someone dobbed me in about, about this dog, you know, and, and I knew who it was because they were always kind of, they were fussy, pretty fussy neighbours. I mean, these, when we first moved in, these guys said, don't, don't mow your lawn that for, the, for the metre or so next to our property because we don't want your grass seed to come into our grass seed, okay? So <laughs> they said, don't, don't mow that bit, we'll, we'll mow it for you, Okay. Okay, <laughs> whatever, you, whatever you want, you know. And, and then you'd see her out there and, and the lady, she's cutting the grass with a pair of scissors out the front, on the front lawn. I'm thinking, man, these guys, <laughs> they're, they're unique. These are the fussiest neighbours I've ever seen in my life, you know. And they were the ones that complained about it. Well, you know, I was, 
sitting on the lounge and I was holding this letter from the local council and I'm, you know, going red in the face. I'm, what am I doing? Susie's sitting and she's in the kitchen cooking and I come out to the kitchen and I slammed it on the thing and I said, you know what I'm going to do? And she said, what? She said, I'm going to go over there and I'm going to apologise. <laughs> so I went out and went across to the neighbour and knocked on the door, you know, and the, the lady of the house came out and she opened the door and she saw me and she went, just a minute, I'll get my husband. <laughs> <laughs> so out comes the man of the house and, uh, and I said, look, I'm come, come to Sydney to go to Bible college. I'm going in the ministry. I didn't come here to cause problems. I didn't come here to be a, you know, a, a, a trouble to the people that are around me. I want to be a blessing, you know. And I, I, I'm sorry about the dog and... Uh, We'll try to fix the problem. Is, is that okay? And they said, yeah, that's, that's great. Yeah, that's perfect. Would you like to come in for a cup of tea? <laughs> you know I mean? If you do well, you know, and try to reconcile the relationships and, and be kind and, and things like that and, 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 and try to resolve the problems, it opens doors. You know, and we're so busy trying to defend ourselves as if we had rights, as it were, anyway, like, I mean, really? You know, we, we're not citizens of this earth. We're citizens of heaven. And uh, we've, we've, our, our life belongs to God. And so the things that we own belong to God. And so I have to say, Lord, if, you know, if the guy wants to steal that piece of land, that, that's, well, if you want me to have less, then I'll have less. Yeah? We have to... I had to begin to think about the soul of that person next door, not about my rights to have this and my rights to have that. And when we reconcile those relationships, it opens doors for us to be able to preach the gospel. And so the Bible says we're supposed to do good works and be ready always to do good works. And when we do the good works, what's it do? It opens the door for the gospel to enter in. And so... Uh, we are to fulfill the ministry of reconciliation. One, for one reason, we're going to stand before Christ and give an account of our lives. And he's going to say, you had what? One job. You had one job. Yeah. Did you do it? And we're going to be judged upon it. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. The love of Christ... Because the love of Christ has flooded our hearts and we want to love others. And thirdly, because uh, we have this ministry given to us by God to fulfill. And we have to give an account of, our, of, of fulfilling that, that job. And so the ministry of reconciliation, we all have to be a part of it. We all have to do what we can to fulfill it in our lives. And regardless of where we are, who we are, uh, where we live, what kind of person we are, we have to fulfil the ministry of reconciliation. We have to get the relationships right in our lives. We have to get the relationships right with those people that are around us. And we need to be able to, uh, be able to come to people and reconcile them to God. And when we do that, we have fulfilled the ministry. And it is missions. It's missions. It doesn't matter where you are on the planet. It's the same thing, isn't it? It's the same, uh, same uh, recipe, the same 
uh, action, the same job, just in a different place. And so I wanted to encourage you this morning to be busy about the ministry of reconciliation and fulfill it with all of your heart. And when we get to heaven, to get a well done, thou good and faithful servant. Amen? And not to stand up before God and say, you know, I wish I'd given him more. That'd be a sad, sad day. And so I want to uh, encourage you to, to do it, to fulfill it, and uh, let God work through your life.